green light, so we're good with the green light right there. Hi, I'm Bobby. Thanks for the warmth there, I appreciate that. Um, I am super excited to be here tonight and share with you all on the topic of conflict resolution. But first, I I'm supposed to share maybe some fun facts about myself or who I am. So my family has been at Blue Ridge for about three and a half years, and we love this place. We love seeing um, Jesus working here. We love growing here, and um, it's us. I have been married to the same man for 25 years as of October 9th. So yeah, I mean, it's been a celebration, and um, we have definitely celebrated it and hope to have many good years ahead of us. Um, another fun fact, I love to clean. Anyone else feeling that vibe? All right, there we go, a few of us, yeah. Not very fun to those of you who don't get it. So I was thinking about this, like, because when I sort through things, I think I'm sorting through things mentally at the same time. And there's something really cathartic about that. And I love helping my friends who are kind of not clean people do that. But if you're a hoarder, I love you, and we can be friends. So just to get that straight. I love to see things grow a lot. So we have dairy goats, and we have about 20 acres out toward Concord. I don't know if any of you know where that is. If you blink on your way to Appomattox, you'll miss it. Um, but the dairy goats have kids every spring, and they're super fun. They develop personality. just a lot of fun to watch. I love to see things grow. I like to garden, the planting and the nurturing. Like nurturing, I love that. And seeing things flourish. And there's also a great life lesson, so I'm a pretty meditative person. And being out in the garden, what you put into it is often what you get. But then you also have variables like weather. But seeing things grow is really rewarding to me. Ron and I, my husband and I, we have 12 children together. And I love that, like seeing them grow. Um, it's the nurturing, it's the stages, it's even the hard times and getting through it, like we did that and it's just life. It's such a great picture of how we are with Jesus, God our Father is. And I think ultimately that's why I'm here. That's why I'm standing here. I can't say I necessarily love public speaking, but I love truth go out into the hearts of all of us and me, all of us, because it changes us. We get to grow, and it's totally awesome. So tonight, we're going to bite off conflict resolution. We are talking about community. We've talked about friendship. We've talked about serving and how to use our gifts. We've talked about what community looks like or should look like. And this is the nitty gritty, this is the down and dirty of all those things. Because it's easy to have friends and friendships, right? It's easy to serve when we see tangible results of what we're doing. But what do we do when we don't get along with our serving team? What do we do when we hit that patch with that person? And frankly, we kind of wouldn't care if we never saw him again. And we've all been there. Well, Jesus has a lot of answers. He has a lot to say about that. And so what we're going to do is buckle up. 
because there's so much in scripture about this and we have just tonight. So tonight, before we get started, I want to plant one in your mind, and that is this. If we want to do community well, we must do conflict well. Okay? So we're going to go ahead and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to meet each of us where we're at as we send his word and his truth out tonight. Let's pray. Every woman that showed up tonight who may have had a busy day And I know that you have to go and meet that spot in us. And would you do that in us so that we can each looking just a little bit more like Jesus, in whose name we pray these things. Amen. So let's have a show of hands really quickly. Um, I'm going to start with a larger period of time first. Raise your hand if you've had any sort of conflict in the last week, and that to an all-out fight. Raise your hand. Anyone? <laughs> okay. Love this. So, let's last 48 hours. Do we still have any hands up? Okay. Amen. All right. So, we, I think we have two choices when it comes to conflict. As believers in the community that we say we're all here to establish, we have two choices, as I see it. You guys have something else? Yell it out. Love can confront, or love can cover. Anything else, we're going to be in the festering zone. It's just going to stay there. It's probably not going to get better on its own. It can cover, or it can confront. And I want you guys to write the next spot, if we're going to do community well, we must do conflict well. We're going to keep coming back to that thought. So let's go ahead and start with the first way that love covers an offense. We're going to pursue peace. In Romans 12, verse 18, it says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In Psalm 34, 14, we're told to depart from evil and do good. We're told to seek peace and pursue it. Whenever we'd run into something with anyone around us, she'd say, all you can do is your part. And you're going to write that down in this section as well. All you can do is your part. We are responsible for 100% of our responsibility in that conflict. But if we're going to have the kind of community that we want to have, we need to start acting like we know this. And that means we need to pursue and seek peace. Those two things. Those are not state of being verbs. Those are action verbs. That means we are going hard after it, and we are looking for it as though it were working. It's not going to find us. We have to go after it. And as the community of sisters that we are, that's what we're willing to do. That's where we're saying, I'm in, I'm all in. I'm actually going to All you can do is your part. You can't make someone apologize, but you can forgive them before they even do that. You can't force them to forgive you. 
but you can offer your apology and request that forgiveness. You can't stop rude emails, text messages, or posts, but you can be responsible for what you're going to do when they come your way, and they do. Responsible for what we put out there, that it will be helpful for, for building others up according to their needs. We can't stop a family member from stirring the pot, but we can choose not to participate. And if they try to rope us in, we don't have to be roped in. We can choose to speak words that are going to build others up. We can't stop someone from gossiping about us or to us, but we cannot participate when it happens. And we can choose not to do that with our word. We can choose to keep our word when others don't do it. We can choose to have integrity in what we say we're going to do and be there when we say we're going to be there. Because pursuing peace is not about their sin out there, our response to their sin. There's another thing that I think we should do. I'm not easily offended is your next blank. We need to cultivate an attitude. I say this to myself in my mind, and I say this aloud to others when they come to me. I'm not easily offended. And the more I say that, and the more I think that, and the more I practice that, the more true it becomes. We need to be women who are not easily offended if we're going to be seeking and pursuing peace. Don't look for the ways to be offended. Proverbs 9. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. In 1 Corinthians 13.5, we're told that love keeps no record of wrong. Or as my husband so theologically puts it, water off a duck's back or shake it off and step up. I can't tell you how annoying that can be in the moment. And offense is to Stop the gossip. Proverbs 17 that whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. And in 2620, we're told again that without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. I think gossip is always going to make it worse. It will ruin friendships and it adds fuel to conflict. And yet so easily, Hurt when we're offended, we want to tell somebody. So earlier this year, in a relationship that I have, as I got to know this person, this couple better, I would appreciate their differences in kind of a verbal, does anyone else verbally process with my husband? But as time went on, I realized I began to spin those differences in a way that their differences made them slightly worse than me. And I would feel better temporarily. As sick as that is, we all do that. Well, the Holy Spirit is faithful, and he snuck in at one point and showed me that. And I went to my husband, Ron, and I said, listen, this is what's going on, and I, I need a week. Like, I will not talk about this for a week. And that week went into another week and another week and another week, I frankly don't even remember what my beef was. But without that gossip, that fire can die like it needs to. And that conflict 
can go away, and that's part of seeking peace. Why do we gossip? What is it? Why are we so drawn to that? You know, I did a Google, on, a Google search on this. I was curious, like, is this like a Christian thing? Like, do other people even care, you know? Oh my goodness, so much information. I had to quickly shut it down and say, all right, what can I take home from that? Do you know, over and over again, I read statistics of 80 to 90% of work chat is gossip or gossip related. I couldn't believe it. I told that to my daughter as I was going over my notes, and she said, yeah, it's true where I work. I don't have the full answer, but in Proverbs 18.8, we're told that the words of a gossip are like counsels that they go down to a man's inmost parts. And I love the contemporary English rendition of that, which is, there is nothing so delicious as the taste of gossip, it melts in your mouth. So whatever reason, and for whatever reason we do it, ladies, it feels good at the moment, but it's never going to have a good result, so we need to just kill it and stop. So what do we do when we do need to verbally process I do? And that brings me to my third point, and that is prayer. It's not flashy, but it is there nonetheless. If we need to tell someone, what I want to throw out there to you tonight is that we can go to Jesus with that. And in Matthew 5, 43, he actually told his disciples this and those who were following him. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In Luke 6, 28, again, he says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This next section I'm going to give you, and you can fill in as we go, and then I'm going to back up. Give the offense to God. He can handle it. Pray for them to love and obey God, to repent from any sin. Thank him for being faithful to complete the work he has started in that person and pray for blessing in their life. If we want to do community well, we must do conflict well. And this is what Jesus has told us to do with those people in our lives that sorely vex us. And this in particular is a supernatural thing that we can do in obedience to him. So that when I start praying for my enemy, and I go before the Lord, I have this road that I walk on. It's called Country Road. And I pray out loud. And I give him the offense. And you know what? I don't whitewash anything. I give him the full vent of my fury. And it's not... You know what? It's in my heart. Why would I try to patch that up and make it look really pretty before I presented it to him? Then I'm just lying and we're not going to get anywhere. So I just tell him, hey, this is what's up and I hate it. Not only that, I don't really like that person very much right now. I ask you to help me love and obey you. And then when I start getting in this process, he, he, I start praying for myself. Wow, I need to love and obey you more too. 
of that thing that your Holy Spirit just brought to my mind. And as I pray for blessing in their life, parenting, and in their marriage, and in their jobs, and in their homes, I leave with a soft heart. And let me exhort you guys, don't leave until you have a soft heart. Because this is the way to do it, he means it. The fourth way that we can let love cover is what I'm going to call active kindness. In Proverbs 25, 21, and 22, we're told if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water. You will heat burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. In 25, 15, we're told through patience, a ruler can persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Our retaliation as Christ followers, as a community that is trying to foster some sense and feeling of community, is to, once we're in that position of, I'm not offended, overtly practice kindness and to use actual gentle words with that person. I have a story of this that happened while I was preparing these notes over the last couple of months. My husband and my 17-year-old son, Wesley, came into the kitchen one Saturday morning. And we started talking about our day and who was going to run where and who was going to do what. And before I knew it, my husband was saying, Wesley, that was very disrespectful. I don't like your attitude. And I watched my son just kind of like deer in the headlights sort of thing. Fast. There's misunderstandings, right? But I watched them work it out as best they could at the time. And that evening, when my husband reached into his bedside table to get his book and his book light, on top of that was a box of chocolate-covered cherries and a note from my 17-year-old son. And it said something to the effect of, Dear Dad, I think you're a great dad. And I love you so much. And I respect you. And I'm sorry if there was something I said or did that made you think otherwise. And my husband just sat there. And then he looked at me and he said, Wes is a lot more like Jesus than I am. <laughs> of our kindness when someone has mistreated us. That whole thing of you hurt me, so I hurt you, I love how Jesus turns this right upside down on its head. I love that. Because he's basically saying, you're hurt? Yeah, I'll show you how to hurt. Give a bunch of kindness, and it's going to burn their head like hot coals. Give them a gentle word, and watch. It's so powerful, it's going to break their bone. That's powerful. We have that power here in this community when we're offended. And so this is one of my challenges to you, at least on this. You're offended. Maybe you've been slighted or ignored or left out. Maybe you've been overtly mistreated. Why don't you get them back? Get them back. Go ahead. Give someone a gift bag with goodies in it, their favorite things when it's not. Go ahead and meet that friend for a cup of coffee. 
And watch what will happen as you sit there and love that person and your heart melts. Your heart will melt. And you will begin to love because when we act in that love, we will feel it. We will create the kind of community that we want. If they need their house to detox and you feel like that's your gift, do it. Help them. These things will have the effect that we want to have nature. The one that says, I want to get you back. I never want to see you again or I'm done with you. Instead, as a community, doing what we say we're doing, when friendship gets hard, when serving on our team gets hard, let's go in there and practice the kindness and move toward them and actively seek peace and pursue it. One closing thought in this section before we go back to our tables. When I was younger, I think I was about nine or ten, and my dad and I went into the grocery store, and there was And um, fortunately, I didn't say anything at the time, and I waited till we got out in the car, because you know how kids can say just whatever they think. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, that lady was so crabby. And he said, you know, she had a really hard life. Can we just, when that happens, when we're offended, can we realize that sometimes we act our ugliest when we're having a horrible day? Or maybe we do have a migraine day. Or maybe we've just had a fight with somebody, maybe our spouse. And we're not in a good mood, and so we lash out at the world around us, not meaning to, not wanting to, or maybe meaning to and wanting to. But that same air and grace that people give us, the same lack that they cut us, let's do that with others. And um, let's repay those things with kindness. Because if we want to do community well, we We're going to stop for a few minutes and um, slide for the questions that we're going to go over. We're going to have some things to discuss at our tables, and then we're going to come back and talk about how love confronts. I think we're ready to get into... of love confronting. I have to say, my husband is a numbers guy. I'm like, show me where there's heresy in my notes and stuff like that. But he gave me the percentage that he thought was love covering and love confronting. And it was something like, he said, probably 98.5% of the time, you're going to need to confront, and then there would be like these points of percentages after that where you'd actually have to follow it through to the very last phase that I'm going to get to tonight. I don't know about you guys. I know some people love confrontation. I am not one of those people. Do we have anyone in here that totally does not have a hard time with that? Okay, good. So, 
That's good. It is. It needs to not be the rule that we're going to people. You're going to be able to rise to the occasion a lot easier. How do you know the difference let love cover and what we need? How do we know that love covers If the sin has begun to characterize this person and it is breaking fellowship, community of believers, then it is something that must be dealt with, with confrontation. I'm going to read that again. If the sin has begun to characterize this person and or it is breaking fellowship within the community of believers, something that must be dealt with. I think we can all agree that we would not appreciate it if someone confronted us every time we were offensive or said something that we shouldn't or did something that we shouldn't. We would and we would all need confrontation. It would be the opposite of peace and the kind of to create. So I'm going to read something from Galatians 5.19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I like how this is put. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This list right here is not a complete list of all the things that are against God's holiness. This is an example of those things. But there is something in us when we have the Holy Spirit in us that is going to say, uh, that's obvious. It's obvious. It is breaking fellowship, and it is characterizing that person in such a way that all of a sudden, they're not looking at and we're beginning to question what's going on. In his goodness and generosity to us, God has given us a protocol, if you will, of exactly how we need to deal with this, and we don't need to guess. and this is your next section on love confronts. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between that person that you are in conflict with. The next verse is, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that the matter of, one, of two or three witnesses. So go to them again with one or two others. And then in the next verse it says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And that last blank is get help from the church. So you're right? and it's characterizing this person and they no longer look like Jesus at all. 
In Matthew 7, verse 3 through 5, Jesus gives us another thing that we need to check before we go to somebody and just start going over it. And pay no attention to the plan. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the your own eyes, and then you will see clearly. What is it, and Crystal touched on this her first week when she was talking about community, what is it that they, outside this community, are always saying about us? That we're we need to get this community right. We need to get our conflict right. And Jesus himself says the same thing to us. Get the log out of your eye. You go picking on your brother's speck. So, yes, we need to deal with sin because it's characterizing someone and they don't look like Jesus. And our community is supposed to look like Jesus. And it's breaking fellowship and there is conflict. And that is getting in the way of our community as well. So once we've got that log out, we're going back to step three in the previous section, and we're going to pray, and the Holy Spirit is faithful, and he will show you what you need to bring to the table. Then you go to your brother, you go to your sister, and you point out their fault just between the two of you. So what not to do? Call your mom, your sister, your best friend, and say, hey, I need you to pray for me because i got to go talk to so-and-so because they have this sin. And this is what it is. You don't want to share it with your table or your group. Pray for me. I got to go confront so-and-so because they're in this sin. It's super bad. We don't want to do that. We don't want to even ask for prayer for that specific sin about that person. We don't want to call that person up in our eagerness to confront. And this is what removed my eagerness to confront is doing this. And give them a piece of our mind. Wrong thing to do. I can speak from experience, and I hope you guys have that same experience because it did a lot more damage than it did good. So you get the idea. It's just two of you. And it's that if they listen, you have won them over. And you going to that person is like this I want to come to you and tell you this thing, but you know what? I have either neglected to come to you sooner, maybe I have protected you, maybe I have not loved you enough and looked the other way for too long, and you know what? I'm done with that. I love you. I want to walk through this with you, because this is not pointing out sin, it's about restoring. It's about restoring. I love that word. Jesus is so generous to give us a contingency if that doesn't work. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that in every matter, every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If you have gone to your friend and you said, hey, let me help you out of the ditch, and they don't listen to you, and they're still walking down that same path, and all you see ahead is destruction and breaking a fellowship within the community, you need to find one 
other godly women. Godly women. These are not people that are going to gossip with you. These are not people who are going to listen to you and say, no, I don't want to go do that. Don't go and say, hey, let's go to this person. No, you need to find somebody. And Crystal said, I asked her, you can find someone in leadership here. They do not have to know that person to say what you're basically doing is, we are agreeing that this should not be in our community. How can we help you? Come along you. Because that's what our community does when someone is in sin. We don't ostracize. We don't reject. We come alongside because we love each other. And we need to get really good at that. This is powerful. And Jesus gives us this directive because he loves us and because he knows that this will work because his spirit is in it. If they refuse to listen, and this is the final step, tell it to the church. And if, if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Guys, this is hefty, and it's too hefty for me, but I do know one thing. When you're in over your head and you've taken your one or two buddies with you, guess what? You get to go to the leadership of this church or whichever church you attend, and you can say, you know what? I need help restoring this person. Would you help me? Because when they have agreed to be a part of, and God has given them the wisdom to help you get through that. And you know what you're basically doing? As we bear one another's burdens in the community of believers, that backpack that we have where we've said, Come on, I want to shoulder you. We get to set it down and say, hey, can you help carry that for a while? That's safety for us. Jesus says this is what you need to do, and this is the order in which you need to do it. It is a good way. But it takes I've had to do this, and I'm going to share with you guys a part of my story. It is a long one, and so I'm not going to give you the long version share this part of my story. In my own marriage, after about 10 to 12 years of being married to my husband, Ron, whom I love like crazy, who's a wonderful, godly man, we had discussions at some point, and it came out that there was pornography in our marriage. Not on my part, but on his. I can't tell you guys Not enough, humiliated, all sorts of things. But I love my husband. And so as we began to work through the hard of sin, after about a year and a half, and it's like this minute stood still in time as I plunged it in, the Holy Spirit, Matthew 18 in your marriage. And I'm like, huh? I don't like my friends to know. I feel humiliated. I feel so mad. I 
don't even feel one bit godly right now. Yes. But he would not let me go, and that's wonderful. When we're his, he doesn't let us go. And so, when my husband and I had another conversation, where it once again, I want to be patient, and I want to be long-suffering, and I want to love. And that love needs to bear all things, and believe all things, and hope all things, and endure all things. And I am your sister in Christ, as long as your wife, as well as your wife. And the Holy Spirit has let me know that if this comes up again, I need to follow these. I said, would you please just leave it with other people in our struggle and in our sin? I find that me angry that I might have to do So I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal to me if this was still a part of our marriage. And sure enough, when it was, he revealed it to me. Those of you who are married, my husband can't lie to me. Any of you have that? In fact, very few people can lie to me. Some of us just have that. And you almost want to be lied to sometimes. Like, you want to have that lie work. So he would never even really have to tell me the Holy Spirit to show me. You know why? I would go out on the proverbial country road and prayer walks and I would tell everybody who wanted to listen that I would not stand for that in my home and in my legacy. And that's exactly what God wants for us. So he is faithful. And when that conversation came up again, And I said, well, do you want to call him or do you want me to? And so we called two of our closest friends, who it just so happened were elders of our church at the time. With the help of those men who loved us, they helped pull my husband out of that pit. And I can say that was what was not a part of our marriage before that time and was during that time is no longer a part of my marriage. This works. Are we willing to obey a hard place to go to that spot of confronting? Out there in public where we don't want to be. And I say yes. Jesus says this, it works. Everything I tried, anyways. So tonight, as you go back to your tables, we're going to talk about love confronting, but we are also going to try to identify where we're at in this whole journey of conflict resolution. Are you in a place of letting love cover? Are you in a place where the Lord is saying to you, I need to learn to quit being offended at every little thing. I need to practice over prayer, and I need to quit gossiping. I need to be an active pursuer of peace. Or are you in that 2% where 
where you know that there is broken fellowship with you, and if it's broken with you, it's us, you guys, we are in this together. It will affect all of us, because we're a body. Are you in a place where you need to confront? Or are you in a place where you're at war with the world? Maybe you can't even begin to wrap your mind around making peace with anybody around you because you need to make peace with Jesus. And whether that looks like starting a relationship with him from ground zero, or maybe hindering your fellowship with him, maybe that's where you're at. And so I want you at your tables now to go to that hard place and tell each other where you're at. And I want us to pray for one another. And this week is our week to teach, and next week is our week to do. And so what you talk about at your tables, let's do those things and come back and share what the Lord has taught us through it. If we want to do community well, you guys, we must learn to do conflict well. I love you all.